Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that chasing health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. Have an exciting guest for you today, Miss Anna Johns. Glad to have Anna on. So Anna and I actually know each other from personal life, not just actually like just in the coaching <laughs> space and such. Um, and last time I was back home, um, or one of the times I was back home, I should say, uh, we were chatting in person more about like um, just kind of like some different things that we both noticed. And she does some in-person training and, and I'm more on the online space. So it was kind of interesting just to kind of hear how those things um, coincide and the similarities and differences and just it's a lot of things that we were like, man, we would love just like to preach these things to the world. So I was like, all right, got to come on the podcast so we can preach these things to the world and get the word out. But Anna, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Obviously nervous, but yes, excited to have this chat with you. And you are right. We, I mean, we were just shooting at the mouth when we last saw each other and lots of similarities, a lot of similar um, missions when it comes to being in this health field and very similar, you know, ideologies, modalities. And so I'm excited to expand upon that and share that with other people. Awesome. Well, before we dive into that stuff, do you mind just introducing people to who you are for those who don't know Anna? So my name is Anna Johns. I am originally from Bridgewater, Virginia. I'm obviously in Harrisonburg now, which is like 25 minutes up the road. So as Chase said, I've known him for a long time, very well known in the area. Um, I graduated from JMU with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I am a personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. I've been a personal trainer for five years now, but I've been studying training and health and fitness and wellness for 10 years. So like a decade now. So I'm 27. I should probably mention that. So when I started, I was 16. Um, I'm also a nutrition coach, so certified in nutrition, and I just recently got my certification in corrective exercise. Um, and I also just recently got accepted into graduate school at Shenandoah University for occupational therapy. So lots of things going on. Um, and as Chase said, I am more of an in-person coach. So I work for Sentara's Wellness Center right now. I worked at Harrisonburg 24-7 gym for two years, as most people know me from there. And yes, I am looking to change some things very, like very soon. And so that's why I'm looking forward to this conversation and seeing where we can go with it. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, congratulations on graduate school. That's super exciting. And very excited. Yes. And for those who don't know, she mentioned um, Sentara. That is the local hospital in that area. Well, Sentara is actually a bigger hospital system now throughout Virginia, but um, close to home there. Um, so how did you get into this space? Like what made you want to get into health, nutrition, fitness? Like what attracted you to that? Like if was a journey of yourself or what does that look like? So I actually had my OT ask me that question today. So when I was younger, I was, I grew up with three siblings and my dad is actually a coach and so when I was younger, I pretty much had no choice. I had to play every sport under the sun. So I played soccer, I played basketball, I played softball and did track. And my dad was my coach. So there was a lot of high expectations for me to perform. Mm -hmm. And so I realized very early on as a kid that I was extremely competitive and I loved to compete physically um, against other people. 
And I was definitely someone that liked to push her limits, always pushed a lot more like than other kids did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, when I got a little older, my dad would cry if he heard me talk about this right now. When I got into high school, I decided I no longer wanted to play sports. So I had played basketball in middle school and I realized that although I loved playing sports, once it got really competitive and there, I saw a lot of favoritism going on. Mm -hmm. I just realized I was like, I don't want to, I, this is not why I like sports. I like yeah. it because I'm good at it. I like it because it's fun. I like that. Like I said, the competition, but I wasn't interested in going further than that. Um, and so I looked at my dad one day and I said, dad, I don't want to do sports anymore. I want to get good grades. <laughs> <laughs> and so I quit sports in high school, but then like in gym class, we had open gym. And so obviously I went to Turner Ashby high school, which was in Bridgewater. And in the bottom half of the gym or the school, there was a gym, like a weight mm -hmm. lift. And I just remember like using the leg press, doing barbell squats. And I remember thinking, I love being strong. And I was again, naturally strong, not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> that competitiveness yeah. that I had in sports transcribed to the weight room and I realized I really really liked it but even up to that point I wasn't it's not like I woke up and I was like I want to start weight training um in my own time during high school I was very much an outdoor like athlete I loved to go on long runs I used to go and run the track on the weekend so I was always being again physically active um but this is when the whole personal stuff comes in um, when I was in high school, my parents were getting a divorce and it was really rough on me. I was, as people said, when I was younger, I was born anxious. So when I was in elementary school, I was given Zoloft, which is Chase knows as a nurse is an antidepressant and very strong one. Um, and so I was born anxious. There were a lot of activities I wasn't able to do. And so when I got in high school, I was then given, you know, even stronger anti-anxieties. And so when I found myself having anxiety attacks, I would either go for a run or I was popping benzos to sedate myself. And, mm -hmm. and although it's like, okay, you're in high school, you're super young. I just had no coping mechanisms being that young, um, how to deal with, you know, being anxious. Mm -hmm. And so as my parents divorce got a little bit more difficult on my life, I then started to see how anxiety and depression are pretty much like cousins. They tend to coexist with each other. And so then I started to participate in substance misuse outside of medication. And then I graduated high school, top of my class, honors. So I was still able to, again, perform academically, graduated, like I said, advanced diploma in the honors. But internally, I was an absolute freaking wreck and nobody knew it. Like, again, I was on homecoming court. So to everybody else, I was very popular, very bubbly, very extroverted, pretty and but I guess inside I was like a complete like I just did not match what I was externally projecting to other people mm -hmm. so when I got to Blue Ridge Community College to study um my psychology classes because at that time I was like I'm gonna be a therapist I want to figure out what is wrong with me <laughs> like everybody else that's in psychology I'm like I want to know what's wrong with my brain why am I like this um and so I got to Blue Ridge and then I started to lose kind of the idea of where I wanted to go. And when you're, I guess, how, how old was I? 18 at the time. So around 18 and 19, you know, I'm hanging out with people I'm not supposed to be hanging out with. I really didn't have a friend group that I trusted. I was struggling obviously at that age to know where I wanted to go in my life. A lot of people were already in college, but I was at 
community college, which to some people is very different than just shooting straight to obviously university, which in my area is, as you know, JMU. Um, so I felt like I just didn't really fit in. I didn't really resonate with anybody around me. And I started to party a lot, which again, for most people at that age is a normal thing, but I, I started to binge drink. So I, when I would go to parties, like I wouldn't get like super plastered. I was not someone who threw up, but like mm-hmm. in private, I was drinking a lot. Um, and then the drinking turned into smoking. And if I have to clarify, yes, smoking marijuana, it is legal now. So I don't mind talking about that because mm-hmm. it is important to know because with smoking marijuana came increased appetite, which mm-hmm. then I started to then binge eat. Now at the time, at that age, I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was just overconsumption of sugar. I grew up in an environment where my parents did not cook, which is really important to know this because as an adult, I didn't realize how actually as a kid, I already had signs of a binge eating disorder. As a kid, I was eating copious amounts of sugar, no nutritional value. It was always starches, zebra cakes, oatmeal, oatmeal pies, Lego or Eggo waffles. I mean, like I look back then and I'm like, I was just eating as much sugar as I could because, again, when you're really anxious, all you want to do is self-soothe. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did as a kid. So then when I was an adult drinking at these parties, it went from drinking alcohol a lot to smoking a lot of marijuana to then over like consuming a whole box of cookies and then waking up the next day and like looking under my bed and like I ate all those. Mm -hmm. And um, I obviously should clarify that I never purged. So I never threw up. I have a deathly fear of puking. So I it's just, I just do that. Yeah. Um, but then the binging started to turn into like, obviously restriction. So there was a lot of shame, a lot of guilt surrounding me binging. And so then I would start to just obviously wake up and you're like, I'm just not going to eat a lot today. And then you would smoke to try to make yourself feel better and get rid of the nausea and the grogginess. And then it was just like this vicious cycle that just kept going. And then I woke up one day and I hope everybody who's listening, the numbers on the scale are different for everybody. So this number that I'm about to say is not to say this is a bad weight, but for my height and my body type, I got to 165 pounds and the way my body looked was just complete and utter. It just looked sad. I was sad. I was unhealthy. I was holding most of my weight in the abdomen, which is where most of the health issues come from. And I just remember I was like, I loved being an athlete and I was still running. So again, I started to restrict. So then I started to over-exercise. And at this time I got a membership at Harrisonburg 24 seven. So I was working out a lot, but then I was still going home and eating a hell of a lot of food. And so nothing was happening. And I'll never forget when my brother was like, she's working out all the time, mom, but she's still fat. And I just, when she told me that, I remember thinking, yeah, this isn't working. (laughs) And I, I guess what happened was I just kind of woke up one day and I think this happens to a lot of people. I just woke up one day and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And I really like learning. Again, I was a really good student and I felt like every time I learned something new, it gave me a, a sense of control mm-hmm. in whatever aspect it was that I was learning. So I started taking anatomy and phys classes at Blue Ridge. I started taking nutrition classes. Like I purposely put myself in these classes because I was interested in them. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to learn more about this stuff, I started to trial and error is like my favorite word. So I started changing my foods. So like sugar-free syrup, sugar-free ketchup. Mm -hmm. At one point I was eating like, the funniest thing I ever did was Quaker has like 
cereal, like mm -hmm. Quaker Oats as cereal. And I remember I'd eat like a humongous fat bowl of that thinking I was being healthy. And then I realized how much sugar was in it. And again, I was like, why am I still fat? And it's because the things that I in the beginning thought was healthy still wasn't healthy. Because again, I'm, I'm sitting here like, well, this is what people say is healthy. And well, I'm going to do sugar-free syrup, but I'm still going to make the pancake like bigger than a basketball. And you're yeah. just, you know, like when I say trial and error, I mean, like I had no help and I had no coach. I had no dietitian. And so I feel like for three, so I was at Blue Ridge for three, three years. And the whole entire time I was just working out six days a week. Mm. That's how most people start. I feel like so six days a week. And then when I got to JMU, I really struggled in undergrad because my first class was like research methods. And I remember thinking, oh my God, is this really what I want to do? Which then like started to make me think like, well, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So I really, really struggled again with my sense of self. And then while you're trying to figure out how to lose weight and like why things are working and some things aren't working, I then started to look to the internet. So I, the textbook stuff was cool. Anatomy and phys was cool. Um, but then I started going on the internet. So typical girl I wanted YouTube was watching fitness people mm -hmm. trying to watch what I eat in a days. They were my favorite. <laughs> I was doing what I eat in a days. And so I would start to replicate what other people were eating. But to be honest with you, I think the thing that changed the most was um, macro tracking. So I know a lot of people have a lot of mixed feelings about it. And we can get into that later, but I began to learn how to track my food. And for some reason, even though I had a very like, restrictive mindset like it's either overindulge or seriously restrict for some reason macro tracking worked for me um because i would set my calories and then it was like here's the amount of money you have like mm -hmm. metaphorically how much money you have to spend today and every time you spend that money this is what you have left over and also i think the biggest thing it taught me is portions like you really don't know how big portions are or how small mm -hmm. they are until you track it Yep. Reading a nutrition label, I was taught how to do that at Blue Ridge. Like I had teachers that were like, you're going to track your food for a week. So reading nutrition labels, I was really stinking good at, but the tracking was a lot more in depth. Like I didn't know yes. how to track anything but grams. So I was like, how many grams is in one fourth cup of this or egg whites, you know? So I was teaching myself how to do this. And then slowly everything that I was doing in the gym, which at this point, nothing in the gym that I was doing was fancy. I, I focused more on food than I did weight training. Mm -hmm. At this point, I was copying everybody's workouts online. I hadn't, I didn't know what was right or wrong. I just mm -hmm. knew I liked bodybuilding. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And when I started tracking my food, I remember 19, 20 years old, the weight just started falling off. And I don't mean on the scale. So I always was the same weight. I was between 140 and 145 pounds. And it took me three years to lose 35 pounds. And when I tell people that they're like, well, I don't want to wait three years to lose 35 pounds. But again, I was doing this by myself. I was very young, didn't have anybody to help me. And there was a lot of <laughs> this, um, the binge eating was still happening here and there. I still was struggling with a little bit of the substance stuff. So it's not like I woke up one day and was like superhuman. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the weight fell off. I wasn't 165 anymore. I was 140, 48, 145, never went above 150 ever again. And I started to see definition and I started to really get obsessed with muscle tone. So once I got the macros in check and I did that for a year, I started to focus on the weight training and then at JMU, long story short, I started to struggle with what my major, like, well, I like psychology, but I'm starting to like health. And then I, um, 
I uh, started, I just had this crack in my like personal life. And I woke up one day and I was like, I, I can't be in school anymore. I was starting to do really poorly for the first time in my life. I was not paying attention in class. Um, I then, I don't even know how to say this. Like I, I started self-harming. It just kind of happened and it became a habit. It was just like, again, food was like a punishment. And so self-harm became just another form of that. And so while working out, tracking macros, being really happy about that, but then still my mental health was absolutely garbage. I took a mental health withdrawal from JMU for one year. And in that one year, I became certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, pursued personal training, or at least thought about like, okay, this is what I want to do. Because it meant a lot to me personally, after going through all of that, I was like, I want to help other women do this. And again, it's a very long story. We can get into that. But the gist of it, how did I get into fitness and wellness and personal training is nobody got me into it. I think I just kind of took what I loved about myself, the competitiveness, the physical aspect. And I was like, you're overweight, you're unhappy, and you're not going to get, you're not going to lose this weight except on your own. Like there was no meds. There was no surgeries. It was like, you, you, you're going to stay this weight and keep going up unless you do something. And so that's what I did with my mental health withdrawals, just completely focused on myself. Um, I didn't take on any clients because I wasn't hired by a gym. So like legally, I just couldn't do that. And also, even though I had my cert, I did not feel comfortable coaching other people yet. I was not confident. I felt like imposter syndrome right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, But I definitely use social media a lot, which I don't do as much now. But social media, I posted a lot of things about my mental health. People know I'm very forthcoming about it. I'm not embarrassed to tell people about things that are very sensitive and very like uncomfy. But that's just the reality of it for me to pretend like I've always been fit and been always healthy and bubbly and happy. I'm like so far from the truth. It's painful. Um, So, yeah, that's that's how I got to being a personal trainer and then. We can get into the other stuff later, but yes, it was a long journey and it's even weird for me to think back to that now because you sometimes forget how much you've gone through to get here. Um, so, cause I'm at like my peak now, but I forget what it was like before. Um, but yes, so I got into it because it was very personal to me. So that's the whole reason I got into fitness. It's not because I was told to, or because I had a gift. It was because I did something on my own. And I was very proud of it. And I thought, well, if I can do this, I can teach other people to do this. And they don't need anybody's help. They can do it all on their own. I'll just help them get the tips and tricks so they don't have to spend three years doing it. So that is that is what I committed to. So very nice. Was- well, <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. And I know, like you said, it's it's not always the easiest things to talk about, but I you know, I, um, I I do think it has its you know importance to people you know realize you know where we're coming from like it's it's not like you said it's not like you just woke up overnight and like all this changed and all this was you know you're, you're to where you're at today overnight you know this oh was God, a so very long process that um and which is kind of what we're talking about a little bit today is like that re- um, setting those realistic expectations of like what this process involves and so I want to kind of like you know, using some of that, but then also like, so that kind of like set the, like set the foreground of like where we're going to next mm-hmm. uh, with the expectations piece. And we can kind of break it down in between like, between like muscle building and weight loss and like dieting and things to kind of break that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But speaking of like, let's go like the weight loss first. Cause I, I know a lot of people listen to this show. Um, their main goal right now is weight loss. And let's so we touch on that first. Um, when it comes to weight loss, I guess like, let's chat more about like, what are some of the generalized expectations like if you have a new client come start working with you and they're wanting to lose weight what are some of the most like common expectations that you see first when before they before you've been what's that sir oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt continue 
No, you're good. Just from the very beginning, like they're walking in and, you know, they're, you know, let's say they need to lose like 50 pounds um, or whatever it may be. Where, what are their, where's their head at in that game, that process in the very beginning? Oh, it breaks my heart. The consults are the hardest for me because there's so many narratives that I hear right from the get-go that are just the ones that I also had, but I, but it's so like, think about the world we're living in now where information is so available and like, Mm -hmm. And again, my background is in psychology. And although I'm really good at getting people's brains, most of my major, if not 90% of it was, can you read research? And it was so annoying. But research is like, you can't teach science. I know people Mm -hmm. in this generation right now are going to hear this and they're going to get mad, but you can't (laughs) lie about certain things, certain things. Okay. The body is the body. Okay. Like it's like when I have to talk about the law of thermodynamics, I'm like, people don't, don't get me started. (laughs) In the consults. I mean, I won't mention names, but I've heard things like it's it's February or it's like the end of January, right? We're at January 30th and I've had people say, I'm trying to get in tip top shape for my wedding in February. And I'm not even going to lie to you. These women are all over a hundred, like they're over 200 pounds. They're not under. I have not had yeah. a client yet that is under 200 pounds. Um, so, and it, and you got to think about it. It, depending on what their habits are, it takes a very long time to get that heavy. So you got to take how, how long it took you to get that heavy. And then you have to probably add that and then some, and that's how long it's going to take you to lose it. Um, so they come in and they're like, I want to lose weight, um, in a month. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm not even going to say what my responses are. I'm just going to say, these are the things that I hear. So I want to lose weight in a month. Then I have some clients that are again, over 200 pounds. And they're like, well, I want to get skinny. When I hear that word, it just, again, breaks my heart. And, but then they're working out one day a week. They want to train with me one day a week. That's 60 minutes. And then I don't know what they're doing the other 60 days or six days out of the week. Um, I have clients that say, well, I like us lifting weights, but I want to do the the workouts that I know will make me skinny. And to me, I'm thinking you're thinking circuits, high intensity interval training, Mm -hmm. running, running like a rabbit. And then, you know, I'll give that to them. And then they can't physically do it because they haven't built the basis to get to that point. Um, and so what I just hear a lot when women come in is that, you know, almost immediately, I don't ask them about food because typically they're there for personal training. Nutrition is something that, that is not offered at Sentara. It's something that I offer in the consults or when we're training, because I feel like it's important for me to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I'm certified, I'm allowed to ask. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you want to lift weights? That's cool. But what are you eating? Yep. <laughs> um, and so I'm under, I had like, I had one client who said, I mean, she was really small. So I actually only had one client that was super small. And I mean, like probably like 135 is what she told me. And I was looking at her. I'm like, she's really fit. So what is she trying to do here? And she's like, well, I just want to tone, but I don't want to build muscle. And I'm like, okay, we'll get into that later. But she had low iron, low vi- or low iron, low vitamin D. And our first session together, she turned white and threw up. And it wasn't because what I gave her was super, super hard. I mean, I do take responsibility for maybe not easing her into it, but here's another factor. It was a 30 minute workout. You can't, by the time you warm them up, you've got 25 minutes. I mean, you can't get a lot done in 30 minutes. And so take somebody who's low iron, low vitamin D, they're throwing up because they physically are not able to do it because they're neutral, like they're nutritionally deficient. Mm-hmm. I asked her, what does she eat? I don't eat, I don't eat in the morning. I don't eat lunch, but I eat a really big dinner. And all instantly I'm thinking she's restricting herself. They won't tell me that. So that's the thing about clients. They, 
I know it's really hard. And it's like, I feel like I learned as a psych major that people either over, they tend to overestimate themselves um, and lie. They try to say, well, I do this. But then when you look at them, they're, they're significantly under that. Um, and under eating is actually very common with my clients. Um, like this one, she, I mean, she just wasn't eating at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but she didn't, she wasn't telling herself that. And so then our next session, I made her eat a spoonful of peanut butter and she was revved up to go. <laughs> and so I'm just, so when it comes to weight loss, I mean, they just come in, they don't want to build muscle. They, they throw that. I don't want to get bulky thing in my face. And I'm looking at them like, do I look bulky to you? Like, and I, wait, <laughs> I, I mean, wish I could get bulky. <laughs> oh, I, mean, like, I mean, at one point, like, easy. yeah, I, we don't have testosterone. Like I wish I did. <laughs> We would be, we would have the six pack and the nice toned arms in like significantly half the time if we had testosterone, but it's, it's very hard as a woman to get big, not to mention for any woman out there, if you're on contraception, it's even harder. (laughs) So, and our periods are not very generous either. There's a lot of hormone fluctuations and, you know, it's just the clients come in, they want to do very minimal exercise. They don't want to lift weights. They want, they want me to leave them sweating their ass off when they leave but then they go home and they're either under eating or they're stuffing their face. And I, and I know that sounds very like insensitive, but I guess you're catching me at this podcast at, at, at a very different part of my life. I used to be very <laughs> giving in the past as a coach, but my first client I ever had, and I was 20 years old, inexperienced, terrified. She came to me with like 300 pounds. She was 300, 320 pounds. She couldn't breathe. She was on asthma. She had asthma. She was taking cortisol shots. And she, long story short, she lost a hundred pounds in a year and her food was not my problem. She just had to work out. And so when I had that client lose a hundred pounds, I guess I started to lose a little bit of my, like making excuses for clients and consults. And I just shoot them straight. Like you're not going to get bulky. You're under eating because they, we will lie to ourselves because we want to stay comfortable and, and we don't want to accept new information for what it is because some of us, to be honest, we just don't know. We don't know that muscle built burns more calories than doing like when you're at rest, nobody knows that it takes a very long time to build muscle. People don't know that when you want toning, what that means is (laughs) you have a lot of muscle, but a very low body fat. And they also don't know that bulkiness is actually someone with a little bit of muscle, but a lot of body fat. And they don't want to hear that because again, to them, they just, honestly, they just don't know. And again, it's sad because we have so much stinking information out there, but they're looking in all the wrong places. And that's where me and Chase come in and we're like, talk to us. We got you. We <laughs> you want us to show us, show you the progress pictures? I promise we know what we're talking about. <laughs> now I will throw out there real quick that I have started to be aware that it is not easy for everybody when it comes to weight loss. There are people who have medical issues that make it very hard to lose weight and some underlying medical issues that even me as a personal trainer can't see, can't diagnose, like doesn't know sometimes how that affects their weight. So I try not to be too hard on them because sometimes it's just sometimes those variables, I can't control them. And that's when I send them to a doctor and I'm like, you need to get checked out for that. And yeah, but it's just, not wanting to build muscle. I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat more than a thousand calories a day. And yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's, it's the same stuff all the time. And I don't think I've had a client yet that comes in and they have one variable that they actually have control over. To me, they're pretty much like, they're just looking for me to do it all for them. And they haven't really realized yet 
Like I have one client who after a year finally came to me and she hasn't, she's made a lot of performance progress. She's made a lot of muscle gains, but she finally came to me and she's like, I've got to change my diet. And I remember I was so stinking proud of her. Cause I was like, listen, I don't know what you're doing. And this is a team effort, but she woke up one day and she's like, I'm spending a lot of money with you. I've been here a year. I'm working my ass off. I'm making PRs every week, but I'm not losing weight. What is it? It's my food. And those clients are the ones that are going to make progress and they're going to be in it for the long game because they know what it takes and they're willing to do it. So, yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah. so I, I want to talk a little bit more about, because one of the things you had mentioned about, you know, somebody, you know, the three-year process or, or even just like for anybody who's coming in and wanting to lose weight and okay, maybe they understand we're not going to lose the weight in a month. Let's say it's 50 pounds, whatever it is. And they say, you know, they want to lose it a month and all right, all right, I can't lose it in a month. But then you start talking about this longer timeline and they're not like, they, they want to be able to lose it quicker or they want to be able like, they don't still understand why it's going to take so long because, you know, we look at all these other like fad diets or things like that out there that will help you lose, you know, 20 pounds in three weeks versus Ooh. the more sustainable approach that we're taking. So mm -hmm. how do you start, helping them realize the importance of playing the long game rather than trying to just do the quick fix. So as I've mentioned, like with like it, why it took me three years is because I was yo-yoing a lot. And that wasn't because what I was doing in the gym or my nutrition, my nutrition was the hard part because I had a mental illness. So it it's, it, I was yo-yoing because I had a, a, you know, I had to get on medication to control that up and down. Right. But, um, I guess when you, when I preach the long game, I mean, I guess what I always tell clients is even when you get to the point that you want to be at, so say you lost the 50 pounds and you did it in the time frame you wanted to do, you can't, I don't want to say you can't stop and you could, I mean, you could just stop working out and just be like, yep, I'm happy with this. But I have yet to have clients who have actually successfully lost weight and they have quit the gym or quit exercising in general, because once you get to that point two things are going to happen. You're either going to keep going and you're going to adopt this as your lifestyle. Cause to me, I tell clients like brushing your teeth at this point, exercising yep. is going to be a part of your daily life. Maybe not every day. I, again, I started at six days a week and now I'm at three days a week. And, and it's like, does that mean that I'm, you know, going to go back to being overweight? No. Does that mean that I'm not going to be as lean as I am when I'm six days a week? Yes. But am I in a mental health space to accept that? Yes. Some women aren't. So for the ones that are like, I want to lose 50 pounds in a short amount of time. Okay. They do it. But are you in the mental health space to accept that, you know, there are going to be plateaus. I mean, I've had clients that have hit plateaus where they made like their weight was dropping pound by pound a week. And then they just stop. And I mean, I had one client where it was four months of nothing. Um, and I don't mean nothing. Again, you have to realize that I know that a lot of your audience is weight loss, but there are so many other things that you are getting while you're training. Yep. Uh, you're building muscle. Performance gains are huge. Like if you can go into the gym and bench press the bar and then the next week you're benching 65, 70 pounds, clearly your body is changing, okay? It's just not the variable yet that you want because that's just the last thing to come. You know, some people when they lose weight, the first thing that goes is their abdomen. Unfortunately, I'm not that person. That's the last place for me to <laughs> First thing I lose is my butt and my legs, <laughs> which is not <laughs> So I feel like when it comes to like the long game, you have to choose what's important to you. You have to choose what motivates you. Again, I'm in it now because I, I, I identify with being a health person, right? And I, I think a lot of people have probably heard the book, Atomic Habits. It's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. And one it of the is. things 
says is if the you have to make the habit like a part of your identity, right? So when I was doing the macros and I was doing the gym, although I wasn't really in the fitness realm yet as strong as I am now, um, I knew in my heart, like when I went to the gym and people would say, she's really fit or she tracks her food. I identified as that person. And every time people said that to me, it just further fueled those behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Every time that I was tracking, I'm like, this is who I am because I like taking care of myself this way. Um, and I, again, like you said, when I think of the women that you're helping, it really starts with like your why and like caring about yourself. You have to care about yourself because nobody else is going to like, like when I was binge eating my fiance, love you dearly, honey. But like, there were times like he would hide food from me thinking that was helping me, but it was making it worse. Right. And, uh, you know, and in the end, the only person that like helped me heal was me. I went to therapy that was helpful, but journaling, going on walks and asking myself the big questions. Why did I binge eat? Why am I not going to the gym anymore? Why, why is my intensity dropping? You have to have that relationship with yourself and your inner monologue. What you tell yourself every day is super important. If you wake up one day and you say, because this happened to me, this is why I yo-yoed. I would wake up and go, I'm fit, but I don't look like the girls on my Instagram and I never will. And then I'd eat a whole birthday cake in an evening. I mean, like at work, ate half of it, slid it under the bed, next shift, finish the whole thing because it wasn't because it was, it was emotional, but it was emotional because I was like, I'm not good enough. And the self-harming was also, I'm not good enough. So I would hurt myself because I was like, I'm never going to be those girls. I'm never going to look like that type of fitness person because I chose bodybuilding and bodybuilding is very competitive. There's a very specific look. And although to everyone in Harrisonburg, I looked fit compared to the average population to the population I was comparing myself to, I was mediocre. And um, so again, for these women, if it, it's the, it's going to be a lifelong game, <laughs> depending on your motivation, once again, like you have to find your why. And it's like, there's going to be seasons where you don't want to work out at all. There's going to be seasons you don't want to track food at all. I don't track my food anymore. Not because I don't like it. I still am. I feel like once you track once for a lifetime, you're going to be more mindful of what you eat. You're going to know the portion sizes. I think that's the benefit of tracking. I never make my clients do it because I don't want to put them in a restrictive mindset ever um, because I didn't know I had a binge eating disorder until I started doing things like that. Right. And so I just, I pretty much just tell them here, mindfulness is key. Why am I doing this? How am I going to do it? And if I fall off the train, I'm going to pay attention to the cues, why I've fallen off the train. And then how am I going to get back on it? Or even if I want to get back on it, like I said, like I have a client who lost 60 pounds and although she wasn't at her goal, goal weight, she's like, I'm happy. And now she rides horses every day. And that's her activity. She doesn't come to the gym. any. I mean, she still goes to the gym here and there, but she's not doing it like she was when we were working together. Her activity is riding horses and she feels light and she feels confident. And that's what she does. Right. So again, I don't bodybuild like I used to anymore. Like I don't lift the way I used to. I have a lot of medical problems going on that hinder me from being able to lift the way that I want to, but I'm going to be healthy and active for the rest of my life because that's what's important to me. And I love my body and I want to continue to do the activities that make me happy. So again, just find your why and love yourself. Damn it. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Women are awesome. Women are beautiful. Men, you are too, but mainly women are listening to this. You are beautiful no matter what, even the women I mean, again, overweight, underweight, medium weight, you are beautiful. It's just you, you're more beautiful when you love yourself and you take care of yourself. Just, just 
put yourself first. I am a very selfish human being. <laughs> and I know sometimes that drives even my fiance, my family crazy, but like, again, nobody's going to do the work, but you, and nobody's going to take care of your body better than you. So that's what well, I believe. Well said. I love that. Yeah. And, and you brought up another really great point, which was the, the, the comparison game that a lot of people fall into. How can we kind of like merge this? You kind of mentioned a little bit of both, but how can we blend those together? Like how do what we're comparing ourselves to change up our expectations and when we're setting our expectations, who should we be comparing ourselves to? Mm-hmm. I'm currently in that so <laughs> issue right now. So I have carpal tunnel syndrome and I slowly started getting it a year ago. So my it's my right hand. And so if anyone doesn't know, carpal tunnel affects your hand. It, it creates a lot of pain, a lot of tension. And so although I still have my grip strength and I'm still able to work out, I'm I'm living with pain in my hand all the time, right? And, um, so I've had to drop my training frequency. And so Instagram, I know everyone has a certain social media platform that they like the most. And Instagram for me is like my favorite, but the problem is it's also really toxic for me, depending on how often I use it. So Instagram fueled a lot of my binge eating disorder. I'm not going to lie about it. And I know there've been a lot of articles that have come out about that, like how Facebook and Instagram make young girls suicidal and that I was one of them. Um, Again, the binge eating was fueled by getting online and seeing these super, super yoked girls and being like, I'm not going to look like that. Let me eat a box of cookies because F it, right? Um, And so I guess what has happened for me, and I guess I would recommend to other women is so when, I guess this is something that some people don't have the luxury, right? So I work for Sentara and I'm surrounded by, I'm lucky enough to have a mentor, which is my boss who has a master's degree in kinesiology. And he has taught me a lot about, what is right in bodybuilding if we're if we're talking about my field right there's a lot of things that we do right in bodybuilding and there's a lot of things that we do wrong in terms of training right Mm -hmm. so now when i get online and i see women hip thrusting 400 pounds or doing leg extensions i'm over here like leg extensions have made my knees hurt i also learned that anything over three 270 pounds or 250 of hip thrusts is going to ruin your lower back in the long run. How do I know this? Because I have somebody who knows anatomy more than I do and also knows that these movements do not serve you in the long run. What was hard for me is I, it's hard for me to quit doing those things because I see these women who are still looking good. Their physiques are getting better and better and they're still able to do these movements. And I'm like, are you in pain and you're not telling people or has it just not happened to you yet? Mm. Because I have a lot of people that I follow and look up to and they're like, I have a back injury. And I'm like, I wonder why, you know, Mm -hmm. so I've had to shift from, you know, I have started to unfollow people that I I just know are not good for me, right? There are influencers on there that are just strictly about posting the way they look. And I just Mm -hmm. avoid them entirely. I don't want to see your ass all day. I don't want (laughs) to see, I no, I just don't. I'm just like, no, you're exactly right. They're just nothing but your butt. And I get it. Like, glutes are a muscle. It's very admirable when a girl has really big glutes, because it takes a lot of work to get it. But like, it makes you feel like crap because that's what's that's what society has told women that that's what you have to have to be sexually romantically attractive like if you don't have a butt you ain't attractive and that's just kind of like the trend on instagram and fitness right and so i've had to unfollow a lot of people that to me i feel just make me feel insecure 
And so I've started to follow more people that are informative with training. They, they show you movements and they tell you why it's good for you. I follow people who post food, but they, again, like you chase, they say, why here's how you eat food. That's here's how you get hundred grams of protein a day. And here are the things I eat and all of it's natural. None of it is promoting really crappy supplements. I don't follow anybody that is promoting something because <laughs> 90% of the time yep. it's they're not doing it because they care about you. They're doing it because they get money every time you purchase it. Yep. Um, Use my code. <laughs> I, like, I mean, there's a thousand, yeah, there's a thousand booty bands out there, but like the reason why they push it is because they know that you're not buying the booty band because you want the booty band. You're buying it because you want to look like them because there's, I mean, there's a thousand of them. Um, protein powders are the same thing. Pre-workouts are the same thing. Garbage, the green supplements, garbage i'm just (laughs) the luxury that i have that some people don't is just knowledge right but that's why me and you are here to teach them hey this person you're looking at although an awesome physique and something to aspire to look like there are things that they're doing that in the long run is going to hurt them or is not going to serve you specifically Mm -hmm. like i would not send my clients to look at bodybuilders ever i'm like want to get an eating disorder look at bodybuilding um, or like bikini, like I'm, I always knew I was never going to do like a bikini competition. So why am I looking at people who are doing bikini? Like, but that's the standard that I set myself to with training. And that's why I had issues because I was like, I mean, my fiance said it, he's like, these athletes will train for a certain amount of time and then they have an off season. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're paying thousands of dollars for coaches, but I was not there. There was no off season for me. It was like, I'm going to work my ass off as long as I can until I look like that. And I just stopped on following them. So I would tell the women that you help find people. I know it's tempting. It's like, I want to look like her. And it's like, if we're going to be really like just raw and honest, Instagram is like equivalent to pornography. Like you look at these bodies all day long and it's very addicting. Like I'm a woman, but I'm looking at women's women's bodies all day. And like, you can just get stuck in a loop at like looking and looking in the explore page is the worst. I'll click on a girl I don't even follow. And then I'll be on her page and I'll be looking at another one. And next thing you know, you're like, yeah, um, my I'm fat. I'm not fit. I mean, and so I guess I would, I would tell the women, um, compare yourself to yourself. (laughs) I stop looking at these women and I look at old pictures of me and I think this is what you used to look like. And this is how overweight used to feel. And this is how crap you used to feel. Be proud of where you are now. Right. So I'm going to start telling myself that. And again, find people on Instagram that are, are like, they're more set in your values, find what you value and like what is important to you and find people who like preach that. And there's no underlying message or like hidden agenda. Um, And to be honest with you, the best thing I ever did is I literally will delete Instagram. And I think that's why everyone like you, Chase, you said, why aren't you more active on Instagram? Why don't you have this? (laughs) Because to be honest, I'm still not there yet for it to be healthy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, I, like we said, it's, Although I'm not as unhealthy in my mental health as I was probably a couple years ago, I and just like fitness, it's I'm going to be dealing with it for the rest of my life. And so for me to be able to say I have control over this, delete Instagram, and I don't show up for two months, and then I'm back on posting like crazy, like I know that can be annoying to other people, but that's just what works for me, and it keeps me in check, and it keeps me healthy, and it keeps me right, and it keeps me honest. I'm not going to sit there and blow three hours on Instagram and be like, that wasn't that bad. It's okay. Everybody does that but is it healthy? No. (laughs) I mean, that's escapism. It's addicting. It's equivalent to pornography. Like it's messing with your brain. It's messing with your mental health. 
And again, self-awareness is key and find people, again, who you feel more in line with and actually are looking to help you. Again, like you, Chase, you're genuinely out here giving people information that not only is valuable, but it's real. <laughs> it's it's solid in science. And also you have you've gone through the weight loss. So like you, you, you are the product. Like you have done the weight loss, you're still doing it, you're doing powerlifting. And it's like, why wouldn't somebody want to listen to what you say when you are living and breathing it? You know? So again, find people who are living, breathing it, have done the transformations or are working on it, and they're not trying to sell you freaking something <laughs> or trying yeah. to get you as a follower. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah. Th thank you. And and I, I I always like to tell people like like when it comes to the comparison game, like compare the only person you should ever be comparing yourself is just who you were the day before. Like who who were who were you the day before, the month before, a year ago? Like that's who you should be comparing yourself to. And like the next day when you wake up in the morning, it's how can I be one percent better today than I was yesterday? And and not that you even have and even that I, I'm cautious saying something like that because you don't have to always expect that every day is going to be better than the, than the last. Like yes, that'd be great, and we and hopefully that most are. But it's okay to also have those down days here and there as well. I think we know we all go through them. And um, and like you said, like if you have those negative days or you know, negative thoughts about yourself or who you are, how you look, how you feel, like like you said, do a little self-audit and ask yourself, like, what are you comparing yourself to? Are you comparing yourself to you or or to the people who are totally unrealistic? And yeah. you know, I think what a lot of people don't mention remember as well is like a lot of people that go through these um, you know, insane cuts and and get all these like photos done everything like you said on season off season a lot of times they're doing like this full insane cut then doing a thousand photos that they'll post throughout the rest of the year they're not that's, looking like that the entire right. year that's right <laughs> well also what you said is i wanted to add to the fact that you said you know you're gonna have bad days and but i mean you you can also have bad years and i know people when yeah. they hear year they're like well, shit, that's a lot of time. I mean, during COVID is when I had the hardest time with binging because I was alone. My fiance was in the army for six months. I had a kitten and JMU, I was just returning to JMU after the mental health withdrawal. And then everything went virtual. I had no people to talk to. And I definitely need to be in the classroom talking, as you can tell. So <laughs> I was isolated, had no social, social support, was by myself. And I was working a job. I was doing home health care. So I was doing 16 hour shifts, three days a week. And I was binging at my job because no one was watching me. I was alone and I could leave when she was asleep, get sweets and then binge it there and no one would see it. And so for one year, that's even before the 35 pounds, I got overweight again. And I know no one knows that because during COVID, I wasn't posting pictures for a reason. So for one year, I went right back to my bad habits again. So that's after being successful, being the personal trainer, being lean, right back to the, we went like this and then we went like this. And so for one whole year, I went to right back to where I thought was like a complete regression. But then when COVID lifted and I got the job at Sentara, it took me one whole year again to get back to my baseline. And again, why was I able to take a year and be patient? Because that's time is going to pass anyway. So if I have three bad days, four bad days, your only option is to wake up the next day and just keep chugging. And I think that's why New Year's resolutions drive me freaking nuts because <laughs> your new your new start and your new beginning doesn't have to start January 1st. It starts the next day you wake up or that mm -hmm. Monday. That's what I do. Like it's if it's Sunday and I've blown the whole week, I'm like, it's Monday. 
let's start a good tone. Let's go train legs. And then like, hope that carries me through the week with good vibes. And then I might crap all over on Saturday and Sunday and eat like crap. But then you wake up the next day and you try again. Every day you get another 24 hours. And so when people think they need this, like a whole year of perfection is just way too much pressure and it's unrealistic. And it's just, again, you're not, you're not showing yourself any grace. And I just think grace is a really important word when it comes to weight loss, because it's not just about loving yourself, but being kind to yourself and understanding this shit is not easy. The body is not easy. It's very complicated. If it was just physical, we'd all be healthy. We'd all be fit. But my mental health, like I said, was huge for me. And then you add the lack of social support, which then cascaded with the mental. And that's what drove me right back to being back in the poor habits. And you can't control all those variables with absolute certainty, right? It's like you said, little things at a time. And you're just, again, I'm, I'm 27 now, but I'm still going to be dealing with this until the day I die. So you just, you have to just take every day as a new beginning, not January, right now or tomorrow, start again and just little wins. Like you said, Hey, I ate one cookie today, not five. Uh, the other day I had four muffins, which to me, I was like, don't call it a binge. It wasn't a binge. Yes. You ate more than you were supposed to, but don't call it binging because that's not what it is. And that's not what, Mm -hmm. that's not how I talk to myself anymore. Right. So that's a victory for me, for me to be like, Hey, that's not a binge. Or when I was really emotionally stressed out over my carpal tunnel, I was having a breakdown my hand's never getting it better. I can't lift weights. I can't play video games. Everything I use for coping is falling to shit. And I was driving past Martin's and I was good. This was literally three days ago. I was going to go and get alcohol and I was going to drink a lot. And these are things people don't know. And I drove by and this was an old behavior, right? This is going back to like right when Anna, before Anna ever got into fitness. And I, the only reason I didn't go in there and get the alcohol and hurt myself is because I told myself, When you wake up tomorrow, you will feel the exact same way you feel right now, if not worse. So go home and let it pass. Let it pass. And then I journaled and I survived one more day without binge drinking or binging or cutting myself. And that is considered a victory. And people just need to do better at giving themselves that credit and not thinking, well, now I have to carry that behavior on for the next X, Y, Z, because it's just one moment at a time be a moment liver because that's all you got. <laughs> so love that. Thank, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. This is, this has been an absolutely amazing podcast and really yeah. appreciate everything you shared. And I, I want to kind of like start wrapping things up here. And I always ask uh, my guests towards the end of every single show, if, if someone is wanting to start their health journey today, whether weight loss or starting to get stronger, whatever it may be, if what would be the first one or two steps that you would tell them to start focusing on first walking walking (laughs) i know that sounds really dumb but here's the thing if you jump straight to trying to learn everything you're going to get overwhelmed especially right now it's not like what i what it was like when i was 19 18 where it was a little bit more honest in the health field now it's not honest Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of information so if you try to depend on instagram especially or any type of TikTok, please, please don't do it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't like it's going to overwhelm you and you're not going to know. Like, I mean, I've had clients that are like, well, I got this from TikTok, but I also heard this on Instagram. Stop. Just do one thing first and then move on to the next thing. Like for me, I had the physical part down. I was exercising like a freaking horse, but then the food wasn't there. So then I worked on the food. Okay. 
Um, so I would just tell people, I know it sounds dumb, but I always just say walking because right now everybody's very sedentary. It's like the, I mean, I'm doing it right now, <laughs> but like, it's like the number one thing that everybody does. And I feel like since COVID, we're a lot more socially isolated. And I don't mean like we're not going out. Clearly, we're going out more since everything has been lifted. But I don't think we feel motivated to go out, right? Because there's a lot of negativity in our country right now. There's a lot of just like people are not feeling very connected. We're feeling very disconnected. We're very feeling very argumentative. And also like today, it's 63 degrees in February, <laughs> You need to be outside. The sun, is, the sun is good for you. Dopamine is good for you. And like people don't understand that like overweight, once again, overweight, normal weight, underweight, these things help you feel better. And if you can start to feel better now, it's going to carry you into other behaviors and motivate you to, again, if you're, <laughs> it's kind of like when people talk about manifesting, if you, if you feel good, you're going to gravitate towards things that feel good. Right. And so I always just tell people, go for a walk. I don't care if it's five minutes or if it's in my teeny little apartment, just walk, even just standing outside and getting some sunlight in your eyes. Cause I feel like with my clients, again, they're, they're coming in like three days a week, but what are you doing the other days of the week? And if you're sitting at a desk or you're standing all day, you just got to get outside. Like I, I, I mean, even people that work occupations that are super active, I mean, I still see them sometimes not being very healthy because they're, again, what are you doing outside of that for you that makes you feel good? If your job stresses you out and you're walking a lot, I really don't think that's helping you. So you need to go do something that helps you. So I always tell clients, walk. And I also am a big believer in journaling. I think talking to yourself is super important. I think you need to know what it's like to sit down and journal. And I don't mean journal a lot. And I'll just sum it up like this. You get one page one page. That's always my rule. You don't get the back. You don't get three pages. Cause if you do, you'll ramble forever. And you can talk about everything. You get one page. And when you start, you only are allowed to talk about the things that are on your mind. And again, you're talking to yourself. And then when you get that on, on the page, you realize what's important to you, what is on your mind. And you take something that's very complex and very twisty and you make it concrete and you put yourself in control. And then you can start saying in the journal, here's what I hope is going to happen this week. Here's what I want to do differently. He, maybe I'll consult this person. Maybe I'll, you know, give this a shot again, the macro tracking or walking or go, just getting a gym membership. Again, I think it all begins with you. Stop looking at outside sources to get you started. You got to start with you and um, walking and also drink more water, please. Those are the only things I'm going to say. Please drink more water. Like, just get your <laughs> water bottle. Don't put soda in it. <laughs> or anything, just drink more water. Start with the things that make you feel good. And when you start to feel good, you're going to chase other things that make you feel good as well. So that's what I would say about that. Well said. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, Anna, where can people get a hold of you if they want to follow you? Um, I know you said you're kind of off and on on social media, too, which which <laughs> I totally like re- I totally respect that. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. There's some days where I'm just like, oh, I'm ready to go off social media, but it is like half my job. I feel like sometimes. So I know, like, you're a grinder. I mean, when you're making <laughs> constantly, and I'm like, this man has such endurance. I admire it so much. Because <laughs> one thing, and I'm like, nobody cares. I'm gonna delete it. I'll see y'all in two months. <laughs> but where if if they want to reach out and um connect with you where's the best place for that um so i do have a facebook business page it's anna bear fit and i do have services posted under there but i'm not i'm not doing anything with that page yet maybe something in the future stay tuned um but i'm mainly on instagram so the anna a-n-n-a underscore j x4 times four i have four siblings if that helps you remember it um <laughs> so yeah i'm definitely more on instagram that's where i answer most of my messages 
Um, and yeah, uh, that's, that's where I would find me for sure. Perfect. And guys, I'll put all those show on um, those links down in the show notes. So definitely check that out. And again, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was awesome, Chase. I love this. Thank you for making this so smooth and helping me feel relaxed. I think because I know you, it felt more personal. And I also felt more, I felt brave to share these things because again, you've created a space where we can do that and a community that's like that. I've peeped your page and you have really great people that are really trying to make big change. And I really like that. So hope to Thank see you. a lot of good things happen in your community for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.